Family Guy, Futurama, Bob's Burgers. We've got all your favorite adult animation here on Hulu. Whether you like aliens or robots or family comedies, we've got you covered. Can't decide between the two? We've even smushed them together. Like with the oddball alien family of Hulu original Solar Opposites. But maybe you want to keep things a little more earthbound. Well, bundle up for Alaskan boonies in the great north or celebrate lovable family members with American Dad. Actually, that show also has aliens in it. You said you like aliens, right? Whether it's a thousand years from now in Futurama, adventuring with a group of secret agents in FX's Archer, or where aliens tend or tend not to be, you can watch it all on Hulu. Hulu Animayhem, your animation destination. Andrew, I was thinking about doing a rewatch on Buffy, but it's not streaming. Um, do you mind if I borrow your DVDs? Yeah, I have the the Chosen collection. Yeah, you, you yeah. Have, that's the it's, whole. It's the, the whole thing. Set. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Um, I just need to get it out of the closet really no, quick. Here, I'll get it. No, for no, you. Just, no, no. Just don't. I'll get it. I'll get it. Oh my SMG! What? It's it, it's it's nothing. This is every movie Sarah Michelle Gellar has ever been in. So uh, I like her. Is that a Andrew? Is, is that an Omega Beta Zeta sweatshirt? Yeah, so what? Scream 2's awesome. Is this a replica of the cocaine cross that she wore in Cruel Intentions? It's actually not a replica. Put that down. And th- that's a, is this a crab puppet from Simply Irresistible? Actually, the original title of that movie was Vanilla Fog, and it's actually very underrated. Oh my god, this is a jar filled with teeth, fingernails, and hair. I'm a big fan, Maddie. This is a notebook with her daily itinerary. This is going too far. I will do anything for SMG. Andrew, what are you doing with that wooden stake? Wait... I'm your co-host. I won't tell anyone, I promise. Anything. It's episode 29, Obsession. Candyman. 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 Be afraid. Be very afraid. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. in Health Watch dealing with stalkers. It's not a problem only for celebrities. The Justice Department estimates that 3.4 million Americans a year are victimized. About 75% know their stalker. One-third say they were followed or spied on, and 21% say they've been attacked. Welcome back to another edition of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Andrew. And you're with the one podcast that talks about horror in real life and horror in the media. The only one. We're the only one. Um, And we do it from an LGBT perspective. So thank you for coming back yet again to hang out with us two knuckleheads. It's going to be a fun 
episode. Sure. Yeah, I think it's always sure. it's always fun. Yeah. It's just um, terrifyingly the, fun. The topics can be a little terrifying. Yeah, horrifyingly fun. How about that? There you go. Um, today we're talking about obsession. So what are you obsessed with? What about when people are obsessed with you? Ooh. What about when they follow you home? Oh no. What about when they um, you know make sounds outside your door? <laughs> we'll your, talk about that. We'll talk later. about that in a minute. Um, anyways, it's, it is going to be a little bit terrifying. And you know, I think that you know, just a trigger thing too here. You know, I think a lot of people have probably experienced something like this before. We'll talk more about, you know, some personal stories that, that both you and I have. At least on a certain level. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean? An ex, an ex that won't leave you alone yeah. or, you know, something along those or, lines. Or, you know, even, you know, even ourselves, like an ex that we couldn't, you know, let go of. That oh, we were, I, I you have, know, pretty obsessed I have with. Some, I have some personal stories around that. Right, yeah. sure. So we'll talk more about that. But we, we've, we've got a good show lined up for you. Um, and we're, of course, pairing it with two films, as we do in each episode, about this topic. We'll be looking at Cape Fear later and also um, at Misery. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got some thoughts on both of those. Yeah, for it's sure. been a while since I've watched either of them. Ugh, so we'll love see. misery so yeah. much. Love misery. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and get started? Yeah. Um, Do you want to start with some standard definitions and yeah. kind of uh, go into a little bit of about love and kind of the difference between love yeah. and obsession? Yeah, because I, I and I think it's good because what does I mean what what are we really talking about yeah. here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tell us. I think it's the thin line though. You know, yeah, I think I, it's a very thin line, and I think that you can even find yourself uh, mistaking obsession for love or vice versa yeah you know it reminds me of um you know bug right we talked mm-hmm. about this in the last episode and when tracy Letts wrote that film and and that play for that matter um he said that he he's he thought about love as an obsession yeah and how it, it really does turn into a little bit of uh, something crazy well a standard definition for obsession is an idea or thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes on a person's mind so you would say that i'm obsessed with like chicago dogs essentially <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess. it's always on my mind <laughs> is it really yeah i love oh. them you know uh, I love them. Yeah, I didn't know you were that into them. Oh, so, do you not, make frequent you know. stops at the uh, Home Depot? I've or? been, I've been, <laughs> sto- yeah, I've been stalking a particular hot dog cart lately. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. Um, when someone is obsessed, they've lost control of their feelings about the object of their obsession. The adjective "obsessed" is used used to simply mean very interested. But when someone is truly obsessed, their interest has become compulsive, and they've begun to lose control over it. Now, that's interesting. So so compulsion has to be a part of it for obsession to be obsession. Exactly. So it's so almost like you can't even help it. You then. can't control it. Oh, it's, you can't control it. Yeah. Interesting. So it's like it's always on your mind, and then you're making excuses to think about it or making excuses to do stuff about it. Like masturbation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Absolutely. It always goes somewhere. Well, I, 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 that's an example that I'm giving right now. That's all. Go ahead. And then as far as for um, the kind of difference between love and obsession, um, when two people fall in love, they maintain their individual identities and interests. They are not threatened when their partner elects to spend time with their family or friends without always including them. Uh, They're happy and proud for their partner's accomplishments, even when those accomplishments are exclusive of their relationship. With obsession, it becomes nearly impossible to be without one another. The obsessive partner feels the physical need to be the object of their obsession every day to know exactly where they are and who they are with, with whenever they are not together. Negative feelings such as jealousy and paranoia begin to creep into the relationship. The obsessive individual suspects that their partner may be cheating or that everything they do or say is somehow a reflection of how they feel about them. So you, does, that, does that make yeah. sense? No, kind it, of a difference between love and obsession? It, 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 it does. And it, it, you know, it reminds me of a lot of people in my past. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's sort of like when you have a jealous partner who yeah. like, thinks you're cheating all the time. All the time. And like, number one, you're not unless you are but i certainly didn't <laughs> and and you just think to yourself you know after it's over you're like they were probably cheating on me the whole time right you know what i mean it's almost like a 
what they're doing is kind of coming out in there right, right. Uh, to you. Do, do you know any couples like that now? I, um, I do know a couple. I like mean, this. I don't think so. I think all I think all of our friends at this point yeah. um, have found their either partners that are good for them right now or are good for them for the rest yeah, of their lives right, if right, they right. do if they are partnered yeah. um but i do know a lot of our friends that have been in really unhealthy obsessive relationships oh, yeah, in the past for sure. including myself i you know when i first came out of the closet there was a person who i was obsessed with yeah. like literally would go on their my my space like all the time wow. and just like look at their pictures and like be, and the really the only reason was because it was the first gay person i knew right. that liked the same things i liked sure and they were attractive Sarah so michelle, Sarah michelle Keller. <laughs> actually in this case it was survivor oh my god oh my god <laughs> um and we met and but this is the thing he led me on a lot like huh. he would he w- we would get like go out to the bars and stuff and then we would end up making out or like going home together but then the next day he'd be like you know i don't i just want to be friends but he did it several times oh so God. imagine just coming out this yeah. is your first like sexual awakening with yeah, another sure, person sure, of the sure. same sex and then they lead you on and like that so that just feeds that compulsion it feeds that obsession yeah because you're not getting what you want and so you just try harder and harder, exactly. and harder to get it so it took a couple years to break that uh aye, aye, aye. break that down but wow. we got there that's we all get there that's what lot. about you um i mean yeah you know there there was one I, i've talked about this ex before um there was one ex that i would say after we after we broke after we broke up um that i was I was obsessed with him for a while. Like, yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about him. I was constantly on his Facebook, like looking to see if he, if like if, if he got new friends or you know this or that or whatever. I was constantly like watching all of his other channels. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I, I didn't like stalk him or anything. Yeah. I didn't like you know show up in places or whatever. But I was definitely obsessed with him until I could finally just like get him out of my mind. And I really didn't even remember how or why. But I remember one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop texting him and I have to do that. Yeah. And I'm literally, I'm erasing his number. Yeah. And I, and I, it's nowhere else. Like it's yeah. not, it's not, it wasn't written down. That was like your email. access. It was the only thing that I had. That's it. And then, and then I could finally like let it, go and i will say i think there's different levels of obsession and we'll kind of see that in some of our uh, celebrity stories that we're going to talk about but i I think that obsession leading to compulsion but then also like being able to still kind of keep your compulsions within within reason the indians called it hobbling um yeah i get it (laughs) that comes in later right i get it um well you know thinking about obsession we also think about stalking Right, mm-hmm. um, which is like sort of like a natural offshoot of yeah. obsession. Um, stalking is uh, stalking is a really weird phenomenon. And you know, when I was in college, I directed this play from Rebecca Gilman called Boy Gets Girl, and it's a play about stalking. Um, and in it, it's a, you know, it's a pretty simple play. Except this woman gets stalked, yeah. and this guy just basically ruins her life for a while. Gross. Um, and the thing about that that I learned while doing that play is that basically, if someone stalks you you don't have anything that you can do about it. Like yeah. the police can't do anything. That sucks. It, it, like your, your life gets ruined just because somebody is genuinely pretty fucking evil. Like, I mean, it's an evil thing. And we should really talk about how, um, restraining orders really don't do anything. They don't, they don't do shit because yeah. you know, is it, what, is there going to be a cop following you all day long too with that piece of paper? I think there's something along the lines of like 70% of people violate their restraining order within like the first six months of it or I something. Mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. 
Um, and I do have some stats on stalking Ooh, that yay. might be a little sobering. Um, sobering. That's funny for us to talk about. Um, uh, during a 12-month period, an estimated 14 in every 1,000 persons age 18 or older were victims of stalking. What? That, that's a lot. That you is a really lot. really think about that. That, it, that is huge. About half of stalking victims experienced at least one unwanted contact per week. And 11% of victims said they had been stalked for five years what? or more. I mean, really imagine like... Somebody going at you for five years. Well, and now that we have so many different ways of gaining access to people through social media and through apps and through everything, oh, and we'll talk it's, more about it's that. not just the phone anymore. Yeah. It's not just showing up in person anymore. It's like defamation on online can like ruin your life. Oh, big time. And this, this probably won't surprise you. Women were at greater risk than men for stalking victimization. However, women and men were equally likely to experience harassment. Hmm. Um, and then thinking about gender still, about 37% of men and 41% of female stalking victimizations were equally likely to be reported to the police. And about a quarter of stalking victims reported some form of cyber stalking, such as Ugh. email, 83%, or instant messaging, 35%. Um, 46% of stalking victims felt fear of not knowing what, what would happen next which that is the power thing right yeah um and then nearly three in four stalking victims knew their offender in some capacity gross more than half of stalking victims lost five or more days from work what? so i mean like this this affects your your psyche it affects your body yeah. it affects your finances it affects your job it affects everything and you know like we said time and time again now there's nothing you can do about it right and that's and that's just it's almost mind-boggling like that that like the police or you know or the, the the Department of Justice or you know whoever like we haven't found the right some way to sort it. of mechanism to like if somebody reports stalking this is what we do we do this this and this and you know it, and we we determine if it really happened or not but I guess it just kind of comes down to like you can't always be with somebody like, right there's no right. way that you can do it so if it's happening it's happening it's just it's, it's and a lot of it's and really a lot scary. of it and a lot of it is hearsay you know and that. if somebody says they didn't do it and you says they you says you said they you did says. do it yeah no i mean i mean exactly like how I can mean, you like how can you prove it yeah exactly and how can you prove somebody's actually stalking you i mean what does that actually mean you know what i mean That's why like, everybody got these ring doorbells now <laughs> i mean seriously i mean it's gonna be those make me think of the purge too yeah <laughs> that's like the first step to you know purge part part what are we on like part 13 well, by now? i don't know Let's if you not, call you know the what? TV show. Actually, let's not even will it into existence. I'm just going to stop talking about <laughs> it. I think it already is happening. So. Now, I think you've got some good stories yeah, yeah, lined yeah. up. Do you want to bring sure. us through some of those? Yeah. So the first one I want to talk about is uh, the two-time NBA champion Celtics player Ray Allen. Are you familiar with the Celtics or Ray Allen? I, with, with the Celtics, yeah. Ray Allen, I have no idea. So he's been there for forever. He's he's in some new... Is he con- old? Uh, he think he's older. I think he retired recently or left the Celtics one or the other. I, I started reading a little bit about him and he, uh, he has like a new tell all book about the Celtics and it's, he's like embroiled in this whole new controversy. Huh. Um, but this happened about three years ago. Um, um, Brian Coleman, who's a staffer in the communications department at the university of central Florida actually filed a restraining order against Ray Allen. Um, this is where the story gets a little juicy. Really? If you will. Um, the reason that he was I love going, it when you say juicy, <laughs> the reason that he was filing against Ray Allen is because, Brian Coleman had been posing as up to as many as 13 women on social media. What? Talking with Ray Allen and trying to get him to leave his wife oh and trying God. to like basically have an affair with these women. And Ray Allen didn't know. It, he's be, essentially being catfished. 
Um, and eventually they came to a deal together where Brian Coleman would stop posting about his family, stop posting about like his friends and his career. Um, and um, Brian Coleman basically broke that, broke that. And so Ray Allen came after him, basically, and that's why the restraining order had to be filed against oh Ray God. Allen. So this is um, a man who has been married for 10 years and has five kids. Oh, my God. So the that's power just, of insane. social media and uh, infidelity. The thing I just don't understand is, like, why? Like, why? Why would you do this? I don't why? know. Because you're obsessed. Because you're obsessed. And, uh, I think there, and I think there was a monetary gain for Brian Coleman to basically well, be like, there you go. hey, I'm not going to tell your wife. So, Man, I'll tell you what. It, it makes you understand why, why um, some people go out and kill these people. I'm, I'm serious. Like, I mean, if, I mean, really imagine that happened, happening to you. You would, want, you would want to kill the person. Right. Like, that's how awful that is. Well, we'll talk about that more when we talk about Cape Fear. Gee, oh, God. <laughs> we'll get, we, I have thoughts on Cape um, Fear. Another, another famous uh, – stalker was for our our homegirl taylor swift swifty we were swifties um so back in let's see here i think it was 2015 a man named frank edward hoover started sending um disturbing letters to her father saying that he was going to kill their whole family oh my god um he's called them the the evil family of devils and he said okay, that's actually kind of funny though <laughs> and he said uh this article is not a joke and is why god is going to burn them into the desert for me <laughs> that just doesn't even make any sense <laughs> oh my gosh um and th- and it, it went so far as that in 2016 he followed them to the airport and where they were going to board a private plane and he got up to tw- uh, as close as 25 to 50 feet before um the singer's bodyguard stopped him oh my god and then That's a he, lot. I think that what happened to him is that he, yeah, he ended up going to jail for, or he got 10 years of probation, excuse me. So, yeah, somebody that wanted to kill Taylor Swift's family. I mean, if, if, hey, you family of devils. Like, I mean, get a life, man. I know. Like, why? Uh. Um, so this is the craziest one oh my for God. me. Um, so we all know Kira Knightley. Love her. I, we all know I'm not a huge fan. Well, come on. <laughs> I just... With Kira Knightley, it's a very weird thing for me. Her acting style, she talks with her chin. She just, she's like a puppet. Like, oh, I, I mean, you've actually never said this before. I don't... Um, this is really weird. We're gonna, how about we just come back to this? Yeah, she's That's like a ventriloquist so, puppet. Oh, my God. You're such a weirdo. Keep, keep going. Anyway, um, back in 2017, um, she had a man that... I'm going to tell you this. His name is Mark Revel. Uh, he went as so far as to, A, he sent them a USB recording of cat sounds um, because he was he was making cat music and he wanted Kira to weigh in on his cat music. Um, uh, okay. All right. That That is so... That's so strange. <laughs> he he uh, threatened their family, threatened to kill the husband. Um, and the, the weirdest thing... Um, is that he went to their house, went up to their, you know, in California, like how, well, not just in California, yeah. but in warmer places, they have like the little mail, mail slots, slots on your door. Yeah, sure. Um, he went in, put his little finger, like to open oh. the mail slot and just started meow. Oh my God. Meow. What if he actually had paws and like that, that, <laughs> that's how he opened it. So motherfuckers are sitting there meowing. Yeah. Did they call the cops? Yeah. Um, they ended up, uh, going after him and he ended up actually going away for schizophrenia uh he went away to mental health institution uh, see i mean you know so that's the thing too it's like 
you know, we're, we're making fun of this and we're talking about some weird stuff. But it's but terrifying. It is like, but also like for the person, it's like, it's a mental health issue too. I mean, like clearly these people are not like healthy, right? But that's like the thing. Like even if we can't go, even, okay. So if it's a criminal, criminal, criminal. Actually, you might've invented a new word. <laughs> I don't think clinical my, and criminal. I don't, criminal. Think my, I don't think my mouth is working You today. are, you're clinically crimi- criminal. But uh, if you're a criminal, the police can't help you. Yeah. But if they're mentally unstable, Nothing will help them. That's the thing. Like, you know, the brain is just such a, a strange and terrifying place. Yeah, because we know nothing. We know like we know like nothing about it. Yeah, about how it actually works, and we don't know how to like fix these problems. It's like you know, uh, I don't know. There there are a lot of crimes that people commit that are because of a mental thing. Yeah, you know, some some, totally. un, some unspeakable crime. I don't even want to go into them right now. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, some of it's power. Some of it's this. That's you know, some of some of it's whatever. But like. The other part of it is that yeah, it's a mental disorder, right? And like, it's just such an odd thing. And in in this country, we still just we don't know what to do with mental health in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to this stuff, we also don't know. Well, and I think when you are suffering from you know mental instability, a lot of times you pick something to hold on to. Sure, and that can sometimes be a person, and that's like your life a raft. thing, yeah. like anything. And I think that's sometimes how that can develop into obsession and stalking. That's really crazy. Yeah, um, I've got one for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is uh, talking about our girl Jodie Foster. She's in the community. The Jodester. You know, she's in our family, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, in 1976, um, after she uh, you know played the child escort in Taxi Driver, um, she started to um, get letters from John Hinckley Jr. Um, and John Hinckley Jr., you may know, is the person who tried to assassinate President Reagan. Oh, yeah. And, and he did that because he thought that that would impress Jodie Foster. What? Yeah, that, that's the reason why, why he did it. And, Seriously? And, yeah, and he said, and I picked her because I, I found this in an article. I picked this particular one because after, in, in the article it says, after Jodie Foster came out as gay in 2013, Hinckley released a statement. This information would have been useful a few decades earlier. If I had known I never had a chance with Jodie because I'm a man, I wouldn't have tried to assassinate the president to get her to like me. Oh my god! That is literally what he said. And so, also, I like that he gets a chance to like <laughs> release yeah, a statement on her yeah, sexuality. Yeah. It's great. Um, and also, everybody, just you know, this is even more reason to come out of the closet. Yeah. So if you're not out, so you, you could can... be stopping an assassination <laughs> down the road. So come out if you're not out yet. Make this happen now. Unless it's just, no, I won't even put that on the universe. Yeah, no, don't put it in I the know, universe. I know. Um, and then I want to talk about one more story, and I and I'm not going to name any names. Okay, but I did. Start Start to think about this with like fans kind of going a little nutty, even with podcasters. Sure. And like, look, Andrew and I love making this podcast. We do not. This is going to sound dumb. We do not think of ourselves as celebrities. Clearly, absolutely, like, we not. really don't. Um, look, look around you. Does yeah. this look like celebrity like, to you? You know, we have fun, and you know, look, we have podcasters that we really look up to, yeah. and, that, and that you know, we really you know revere and everything else. But you know, trust me, every podcaster is just a normal person. Yeah. Um. And so, um, we, you know, now and then, you know, you do get messages from from fans. We get them. We get them very often. We love it. Um, we love talking to people. People are always feel free, are always free to message us on Instagram or Twitter yeah. or you know they write us an email. But let's just say we do, we have not had any stalking. We, we have had no stalking issues at all, not in the least. But one of our one of our sister podcasts did, um, and like I said, I'm not naming any names here at all. But you know they they were talking about this online, you know on on Twitter, and I was reading the stories and I felt awful for them because yeah. I I. I you can very easily see, you know, from what we've already talked about here, like there's nothing that they can really do. Well, and it's even it's even one um, one step separated because exactly. it's online. Yeah. So it's like 
yeah, there's like stuff that you can see to like prove it, right. but like nobody, no cop is going to be like, oh, somebody put it on Twitter. I yeah. really don't give a shit. Like, yeah. I mean, and you know, in this case, you know, it, it was a lot of Twitter. It was a lot of emails. It was a lot of IMs. It was a lot of like showing up in places oh, where, no. where they were oh, or, no. or where their spouse worked. That's bad. Um, and like emails to like their spouse's boss. Like, I mean, like really intense shit. And you know, when, when they, when they were writing about this on Twitter, I just, I really, I, I reached out cause I just felt so awful for them. Yeah. And I, I still really do. Thankfully they're, you know, they're okay from what we can tell, but, um, you know, that's, that's strange shit. Um, if you're thinking about doing that to Andrew or me, could, can I just preempt you and say, don't do that? Because <laughs> literally we don't have time um, and to like, deal with this. I, I'm not online enough for people to actually yeah, stalk me. So like much. just, and honestly, you know, I'm, 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 um, I'm a lot. So do you really want to stalk me? Right. Like, I'm a lot to handle. Yes. Maddie, in, Maddie in and of himself has a bit of an obsessive personality, I would say. What, what do you think I'm obsessed with? No, I just think that you like latch on to things really easily. Like, well, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I latch on to things that I really like. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right, you but know? then you're like, so like, let's say you find like a new band, like yeah, for, oh yeah, I like, get really into like it. Like for me, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I, I listen to it, and yeah. I'm not like gonna put it away now. Yeah, Whereas yeah, like yeah. you will like play it a million times, I'm, I and would, you will talk about it. To, yeah, to everybody. I'm like a um, I'm what you would maybe call like a deep diver. Yeah, sure. Like when I like a thing, I mean, like look at our podcast. For yeah, example, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this is a deep dive podcast yeah. into the world of gay horror. I'm, and I'm obviously not saying anything. Oh, no, no, this no, no, is no, negative. Of course not. Of course not. No, but I mean, like this is. I think it's differences in how people you know do things. Yeah, and, like, totally. You know, like yeah, like for me, like my favorite band is a national. Like I can tell you a, a lot about the national. Yeah. I have seen <laughs> them. I've seen them about like fifteen or sixteen times now. Um, like I, I can go on and on and on, right? You will, and you will now just gain yeah. a new fan base, right? Fans that yeah, you know, like yesterday, like I rattled off like an IMDb page about Moonstruck to my co- <laughs> to my coworkers, and they were like, "How do you know?" Literally every actor who directed it, who wrote it, the year it came out, what awards it won. I'm, I'm like, I'm like Rain Man sometimes. Yeah. Um. So there it is. Um, you know, except for masturbation, I'm not obsessed with masturbation. Okay. Anyways, okay. We're gonna move on. Um, <laughs> what else are we talking? About? I don't know. <laughs> what else are we talking about with obsession? What no, else? I just think that. What um, else are you obsessed I with? Think, well, for me, um, you're obsessed with horror films. My, yeah, that, I mean, that's how this all started. I mean, here uh, we are. Definitely have a minor obsession with Survivor. Minor obsession with yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar, obviously. Um, yeah, that listen, folks, that skit earlier was actually not a skit. It was, <laughs> it was real. Just real. And Andrew really did attack me, so I'm gonna sue him later. <laughs> not gonna Anyways. Get, not gonna get much, but <laughs> there you go. No, but I think just uh, obsession in and of itself, I think, is very interesting um, topic to talk about just because there's yep. so many different levels because you can be obsessed with something and it doesn't necessarily equate to being a negative obsession. It can be a positive obsession. Um, and then it, it's really when you start to to when your um, compulsions become yeah. negative is when it turns into a negative obsession. I get it. You know, I, I, love is... Love is weird. Lo- love is weird. And, you know, it's like, you know, you're married. You've been married now for... Oh God, how long now? Three years? Two and a half. Almost, almost three. And, and you and Michael have been together for a long time, so you've been out of the, the dating game. Yeah. You know, it's something that I do think about, though, because, like, part of love is obsession. You know, I'm sure that Michael's on your mind 
Yeah. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure when you were first dating, he was probably on your mind a lot more. Well, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, 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 the, the shift has changed. Yeah. Of it course. was like, uh, when we first started dating, it was always about like, oh, are they, are they into me? Like, of course. What, you know, you kind of do that. Now it's like when he doesn't answer a text message, I'm like, oh my God, he was set by a car. Like, what is happening? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, right, right. It's just different. But, you know, it's, it's that thing. It's, it's, um, it's the choices that you make when you fall in love. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's one of those things that I think about now as a single person and, you know, as a dating person. Part of what you will do when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and, and you know, go with somebody and, and go on that journey of love in whatever, you know, way it takes you is you're going to have to agree that, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be a little obsessed with this person. Yeah. Now. And it takes you away from other things in your life. Mm-hmm. It makes you just, dis- it, 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 without a doubt, distracts you. Hopefully it empowers you, but it distracts you. Yeah, you hopefully know, it's, it's a good distraction. It's something that, you know, that. It's something that I think about now as a single person. Yeah, and and I, I think I've, yeah, I, I can honestly see it in, in the past couple of things that I have done that um, I've, I've sort of thought about it and said, actually, I don't, I can't be distracted right yeah, now. I can't sure. do that right now. You know, it's, it's a, something to think about. Boy, mm-hmm. that was depressing, wasn't it? <laughs> Wait, have, <ended> on. <laughs> hey, have a good day, everybody. I got to go. See ya. I'm, I'm leaving. Bye. I think that will, okay, though, I think that will, though, kind of wrap us up with our yeah. horror in real life topic. And you know what? We're obsessed with you. You know what? We're obsessed we with are. our fans. That's what we're obsessed with. I will say, uh, the day we release an episode, I do go a little obsessive about how many people are listening. Oh, you want to know a motherfucker <laughs> obsessed with metrics? Fucking welcome to Andrew, Dr. Andrew Huff yes. over here. Well, I mean, I, I do work in marketing, so it does. it's, it's part of my life. Yeah, but, metrics yeah. are, and they're important. But. And you know what? Metrics aren't just numbers. They're you. So <laughs> oh thanks, everyone. What? Um, Andrew, what are we doing next? Uh, we will take a quick break, and we will come back with What You've Been Watching, Bitch. Love it. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for what you've been watching, bitch. What you've been watching? If you're bitch. new, if you're new to the show, I, I never can. You didn't let me do it. I know. I never can let your cadence. I don't really understand. <laughs> what you've been watching, bitch. <laughs> um. So if you're new to the show, this is where literally where we just talk about a few things that we've been watching that we think are interesting or we think you should avoid. Yeah, what Andrew said. Um, now, one thing that we've noticed when we put together our little list mm-hmm. is that we had one movie that we both watched that was really, really good. You want to talk about it? Are you a nerd all of a sudden? No, I'm not. Keep going. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the first movie that we both watched. Yes. Uh, and I, I watched this like uh, probably like three weeks ago, yeah, so I'm a little behind. But Also, like, can we talk about the shame that I feel about that? Yeah, I know. Because, like, listen, we have a fucking horror movie podcast. Yeah, and, and this is what happened for me, right? When well, Par- let's announce what it is. Okay, so the, the movie, the movie, the film is Parasite. Yeah, Parasite. Twenty nineteen, right? What, if you may have heard it won the best picture this year for the the what do they call the Oscars? Oscars. Whatever they are, I almost said the Tony Awards. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a play Maybe. called Parasite. Oh, can um, you imagine that musical? Uh, right. Um, but yeah, you know, we've got a horror movie podcast. We should be better about seeing new films sooner. It's just that when Parasite came out, that was like right when I was going to Ireland yeah. and I was super busy. And as a holidays. It was the holidays. Like I got back and I just like couldn't make it happen. And so it finally came out on Apple. I bought it right away and I watched it. So there. If you want to make fun of us all fucking day for it, go ahead. <laughs> I don't think anybody cares. In the meantime, in the meantime, how, what did you think about it? I thought it was awesome. I thought uh, it was really great. I, I really um, loved it. 
for being uh, a longer movie, I yeah. always felt on the edge of my seat, which yeah. was really interesting. Um, I loved Choi Wushik, um, who's like the main, he's, he's the son. The son, right? Yeah. I think, number one, I think he's so cute. He's so sexy. I actually really like the daughter. The daughter, oh, she was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the, the mom was good, too. I mean, everybody was good. Everyone was, was yeah. seriously good. And it will not surprise you to hear the socialist, the Marxist socialist on the show loving this film. That is all about class. And I think it's really cool to like look at like and, and I I can't imagine that um, Bong Joon Ho did not really look at Jordan Peele's Us when mm-hmm. he was thinking about different things that he would do in this in this film. We have two amazing films about class yeah. at a time in our world when class is everything, mm-hmm. and you know we are in the midst of this insane election in America that is just. <sighs> It's awful. We'll, we'll do an episode about the election eventually because it's just fucking off the wall, horrifying and bonkers. And class right now is just so important. And I think that what's great about an American audience watching this is like, it's almost like we needed to see something in another language, in another space to have it make sense to us about class. Sure. Like when you constantly have to have, you when you have to struggle for everything, everything will always be a struggle and a fight. There's mm-hmm. no way around it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Um, I, I think the thing for me is, so I went into this completely blind. Yeah. Um, I did not watch a, tra- I did not watch a trailer. I did not watch yeah, anything yeah. just because I wanted to be like, I, I knew like a little bit about it. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of just want to know what, what this is going to be like. And it sure. took so many weird twists and turns big time and where it ends up it's just crazy and i'm not yeah. i'm not going to give anything away but like this movie is it is on the surface yeah. one movie and then once you get into it Something it is else. way more yeah and there's there is this speech um that the the father tells the son and it's 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 something along the lines of like poor people don't make plans yeah because when you make plans everything goes wrong and i think he just really speaks to so many people in this world sure. who are poor or middle class who we look at our lives and we don't make plans because we know nothing will ever work out. So, I mean, it's, um, it's a, it's a, you know, I've been telling people like, it's not a horror film that's going to scare you. It's a, it's a, it's a horror film that is going to like sit with you for a very make you think. long time and haunt you. Hopefully. Cool. I like it. Have a good day. I got to go. Have, have a good day, everybody. Hope you're smiling. Uh, um, uh, so the first one that we both did not watch uh, that I'm going to talk about is um, Harpoon. Have okay. you heard of this movie? Not at all. Harpoon is a 2019 release. Um, it is about three friends uh, that may or may not be being, I don't know what the right word is. They're, they're not necessarily the best people to each other, okay. but they're still friends okay. and they've been friends for a long time and they go out on this um, yacht and the yacht breaks down and then some things get revealed and do they eat each other? No, but um, it's so the weird thing about this movie is once again, I went in blind. This was like yeah. something that I forget. Where did you watch it by the way? I watched it on, um, on demand. Okay. Gotcha. Um, someone had recommended it on, or it was on someone's top 10 list of last year okay. or something. So I was like, okay, yeah, we'll watch it. It was only like 90 minutes. So easy digestible. Yeah, sure, and sure. so what I didn't pick up on right away is that this is actually like more of a horror comedy. Huh? So like I went into it thinking it was straight horror. Yeah. So I was like, wait, what? Like what is happening? But by the end, I was like, oh, I think this is like satire, like so, comedy. I see. So it didn't make itself apparent that it was comedy. No, oh, no. That's interesting. Um, overall, I thought the movie was just okay, yeah. to be honest. Um, I mean, if you, yeah, you, you don't sound very enthused about it. it. 
I think maybe I need to watch it again with yeah. a new lens. Yeah. But um, on Pon first watch, I was just kind of middle of the road about it. It would not have made my top 10 of last year. Sure, sure. But okay. That's right. it. Cool. Uh, my first one is on Netflix. I bet a lot of you have watched this already. It's called Don't Fuck With Cats. Uh, yeah, I heard that. Oh, it is. I got to tell you, this motherfucker is in goddamn sane. It, I could not believe what I was watching. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, it is the story of, um, basically like internet nerds <laughs> okay. and, um, they, they, um, they, you know, hang out on these, like, you know, like, like Reddit type sites and, and Facebook groups. I do and not else. understand Reddit. <laughs> and then one day they, like, they all see this video on YouTube of this dude fucking killing a cat. Gross. And um, he kills the cat by putting it into a vacuum bag and then vacuum stealing it with a vacuum. So you watch, you see the cat dying. See, in this is why I can't watch a it. Bag. It is. It and so like the the why it's called "Don't Fuck with Cats" is this is like basically these like internet nerds are like, listen, the internet is insane and it's all crazy. There's a whole bunch of shit on it. We have one rule: you don't fuck with cats. And so when they, <laughs> when they saw this video, they were all like, we got to find this guy. So basically it turned into them like creating this Facebook group where they like just like went into this video and went nuts on it. Like they looked at every detail, they parsed it out, they got every photo possible, yada, yada, yada. And in the midst of it, the dude starts releasing more videos. So he does another one and then another one. And then they start getting worse and then way worse. Oh, God. And so you go on this global literally global hunts for this man that they are that they are looking for the crazy shit that happens you have no fucking idea it will blow your mind interesting you should i know it's gonna be hard for you but i'm telling you you should watch how it. many is it episodic is I, it i think it's it's yeah it's episodic but it's not many it's like it's like i think maybe four or five episodes. can i like skip the first episode no you really there's... can't you really can't you, what i can tell you is this you can look away you, you do not have to watch it and they do a good job of not showing you the gratuitous parts of the video like you look at the video they show you the essentials you know what happened but that's it. Like they, they so don't bad. like they don't show you the thing actually dying. They, you do yeah. not see that. Um, but they give you enough that you're horrified. Interesting. Have a good day. There you go. Hope hope you're <laughs> having your, a good that's one. That's your motto of the day. What's your What's your next one? Um, so I've been catching up on some movies that I missed along the way, and this one, this is one of those movies that we thought was going to come out. Then it got shelved. Yeah. Then we thought it was going to come out. Then it got shelved. And then it finally got released on VOD. So we rented it. Isn't this on Shutter too? Maybe it, maybe that's where we I, watched it. I think it. it's on Shutter. We watched it somewhere. What is it? It's called Polaroid. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it was on uh, Shutter. Right it's now. basically about you know just what you think a haunted Polaroid camera. Okay. Um, you know I thought it was fine. It's it's definitely like uh, one of those jump scary, yeah. ghosty, uh, huh. offshoot of the Waniverse type of movie. Sure, it's not sure. it's not correlated with Waniverse, but it's yeah. got that feel. You can tell that the director God, definitely had that. Talk about nerds. We are nerds. Waniverse. Well, I got that from Jamie Salmon's and, from and they, podcast. Don't get me wrong; it makes total <laughs> sense, like when you say. It, but it, that's anyways, I'm not taking ahead. credit for that. Well done, Jamie. We love you. Well done. <laughs> um. So yeah, I thought it was you know it was a fun little like popcorn movie. I'll watch it. Yeah. It, watch that it's easy i also want popcorn uh, oh yes um, my next one is la llorona which i finally watched oh i, I think i reviewed this earlier in the year on, on the same segment oh did we yeah oh, well, i think now, so now it's my turn um not bad not my favorite though. that's kind of how i felt i think like i don't know i like that what actress I, though yeah no she i think she's really good um i just feel kind of like 
I don't know. It was there was a lot of cheesy shit in it. Number one, I I, um, I remember really liking the beginning. Yeah, yeah, the beginning wasn't bad. The, like the part in the car specifically. Uh, yeah. But I, I gotta I gotta tell you this. Like one thing, I, I watching the movie, I just felt so bad because I looked at F. Murray Abraham. I mean, one of the best actors that we've <laughs> ever had. Right? He fucking you know in Amadeus, he was incredible. And then I thought to myself, and now here you are. Playing a shitty priest in La Llorona. <laughs> the curse um, of La Llorona. Yeah, just like, I think he's been in a couple of the one of her, yeah, whatever m- movies. F. Murray, I love you, dude. You need to start making better choices in films. That's all I have to say. That's La Llorona. Go ahead. Um, the last thing that I have is the new, well, it's not really new anymore, but new to me, yeah. uh, Netflix reality show. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And the only reason I bring this up is because it takes place in Chicago. Yeah. It's oh, called, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's called The Circle. It's in Chicago? Yeah, it's a building on the south, like think of, south loop? think of like University of Chicago area. Yeah, yeah, Hyde Park. Yeah, there's like a building down there that this is taking place really? in. Really? Yeah. Um, so um, at first, I was really into this show. I was yeah. like... Because it's basically all these people get isolated in different apartments, and the only way that they can communicate with the other people in the apartments is through, like, a social media platform. But they can be whoever they want to be. They can be themselves. They can be somebody else. Like, they can post whatever pictures they want like nudes no 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 like like the one there's one guy who's posing as his girlfriend what? because he thinks that she'll be more popular than he is but the only way you communicate is through social media through like their platform how do you, called how do you, the circle how do you win the game so you have to be they vote people out periodically oh, like I who's see. who's the least popular i think i would be good on this game so at first i was like yeah this is pretty fun this is pretty interesting and then about by episode about 5 i was like this is literally just people sitting in a room texting. That's all this is. That sounds kind of dumb. <laughs> so then I was like, I don't think I want to watch this anymore. I mean, like that just that doesn't sound fun to watch. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's one of those things. Like if you can get into it, you'll get into it. But I yeah. kind of fell out of it. Yeah, I, I think I, I'll finish it eventually. I live uh, my entire work day because I, I I work in social media yeah. as a lot of people know. Um, my entire work day is spent in social media. Um, I do a fair amount of social media myself in my own life. Um, and I don't know if I can watch a show about social media. I know. I just don't think I can. I think it might be one of those things that I might finish it just like when I'm done with everything else. I, I, I or, do. Or I might just spoil it for myself and see who wins. Just spoil it. I do hope that we have a good horror film soon about social media. We need, like, we need like the drop down, like drag out killer of social media horror. We, yeah. we, we need to get that made. Yeah. Anyways, my they, last... They tried a couple times, but... Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, my last choice here is actually uh, pretty simple. It's the Oscars. We, will, we watched the Oscars in the last... All, uh, since, all since the last time I saw fucking it. four hours of it? Yeah, or whatever. it's very, very long. Um, you know, the Oscars are interesting. You know, I, I had a lot of thoughts this year. Like, I'm really glad that Parasite won. I'm glad Bong Joon-ho got, yeah. got a lot of awards. Um, you know, I'm just... What I'm sort of tired of is, like how identity politics we are about everything when it comes to award shows. Because mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like I don't even care about them anymore. Like, yeah. I, the only reason why I watch the award show is, like, just to, like, look at the people and, like, see clips of the films. Like, it's, yeah. it's fun. Otherwise, like, I think that we all put way too much stock in, like, who says what is good. Like, yeah, no, Honestly, totally. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Give me I a preview, know. and then I'll know if I want to see right. it or not. <laughs> I know that Parasite is a, is a fantastic film. I know that this or that. I know that this. I know that, you know, I don't need Hollywood or anybody else to, like, validate that for me. 
And also, like, I don't even care about the choices that they make anymore. You want to pick somebody, baby, go ahead. I really don't care anymore. Like, fuck off. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that um, some of the speeches are just like, can we just make it about the movie? I mean, I, I get like, it. Like, I, I get it. You know, but I, I think that the speeches would be better served if there was action behind it. Yeah, totally. So, like, you know, like, for example, like Joaquin Phoenix. And, and like, I'm, I think the Joker was great. I really love the film. I think he did a great job. But, like, the speech that he gave, okay, great. So you're interested in the environment. I think that's awesome. Are you going to donate a lot of money now right. to, like, Sunrise right. Movement <laughs> to, like, make sure that, like, you know, we can get the Green New Deal going? Are you going to go out and, like, campaign for candidates that are interested? You know what I mean? Like, there's stuff that you need to do beyond just like saying it. Right. Like no one. Cares. I totally agree. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, I, I just think the whole thing is stupid. We all get so worked up over it for no and then reason. Social media goes crazy. And it's just and... like, how oh, dumb. Like it's, it's so, it's so dumb. I know. I, I can't even take it. I know. I'm in, I'm in your same boat. So that's all I got. Okay, cool. Um, I think that will about wrap us up for what you've been watching, bitch. What you've been watching, and bitch. we will... you did it again. I'm sorry. Oh my uh, god. You know, sorry. He knows he's gonna uh... kill you. Brock's gonna kill you because he loves it when that happens. <laughs> Anyways, uh, go ahead. So we will take a quick break and come back with our first feature film, Misery. Bitch. What? You've been out of your room. No, I haven't. Paul, my little ceramic penguin in the study always faces due south. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Ceramic penguin. Is this what you're looking for? I know you've been out twice, Paul. First, I couldn't figure out how you did it. But last night, I found your key. I know I left my scrapbook out. I can imagine what you might be thinking of me. But you see, Paul, it's all okay. Last night, it came so clear. I realized you just need more time. Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Paul, do you know about the early days at the Kimberly Diamond Mines? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry, they didn't kill them. That would be like junking your Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working but they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Annie, for God's It's for the best. Annie, please! Almost done. Just one more. God, I love you. Are you a fan of typewriters? Are you a fan of hobbling? Well, then Misery is the movie for you. Hell yeah. Maddie, why don't you give us a brief synopsis of Misery and the cast? 
Sure thing. This uh, film is from 1990. And after a serious car crash, novelist Paul Sheldon is rescued by former nurse Annie Wilkes, who claims to be his biggest fan. Annie brings him to her remote cabin to recover, where her obsession takes a dark turn when she discovers Sheldon is killing off her favorite character from his novels. As Sheldon devises plans for escape, Annie grows increasingly controlling, even violent, as she forces the author to shape his writing to suit her twisted fantasies. Misery was directed by Rob Reiner. It was written by William Goldman, the screenplay, based off the Stephen King novel. Um, It uh, was filmed in California. There's a a truckload of people that were amazing in this movie. Um, James Caan, of course, plays Paul Sheldon. Kathy Bates, the inimitable Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes. Richard Farnsworth as Buster. Frances Sternhagen as Virginia. I actually really like her. Um, Fucking Lauren Bacall. Mm -hmm. Don't forget that she's in this movie as Marcia Sindel. Uh, Graham Jarvis, Jerry Potter, June Christopher, Archie Hahn, Gregory Snegoff, uh, Misery the Pig. I mean, you name <laughs> As it. As herself. <laughs> exactly. You name it down the road. Um, lots of great people in this film. Um, I, I'd say it's probably Kathy Bates's seminal role, to be honest. I can't, I truly cannot think of anything she's done better than this. Uh, no, I no, don't think so. Nothing. No, nothing. Um, and it's, um, it's a great, it's such a great story. Yeah. Terrifying. I think um, going into it this time, I haven't. I probably have the last time you saw it. Uh, probably like five years ago ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I revisit this one every once yeah. in a while. Um, but this time I was trying to think, and I was like, "How does how does this happen?" Because yeah. like it seems, I I felt like I was like, "Well, the the story is going to rest on whether you can believe that she would have found him." But then yeah. halfway through the movie, I forgot that they explain that she knew that he was up there right. writing, and so she exactly. was following him, and exactly. she was obsessing. She was obsessed. Over she, him. she was stalking him the whole time. Her number, his number one fan, right? And um, I mean, also you know, it's it's in it's in remote it's in a remote wilderness. Like I mean, well, that was why I was like, what are the chances that yeah. she would like stumble upon right, right. him? Because remind me, it's not in Maine. It's um, Colorado. It's, it's in Colorado. It's, I just have a habit of thinking everything Stephen King is automatically yeah, in Maine, it's fair, which is. You know, <laughs> usual. Um, no, I I think that this film is um it is it is it's fucking dark. Um, yeah, and it is truly about the horrors of obsession, mm-hmm. going so far to you know hurt the thing that you love. Um, to and keep that's, it, and, and, and ju- just to keep it, just to like, keep it under your grasp. And how far will you go in order to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you see Annie Wilkes do throughout the entire film. Um, and I, I can only imagine, you know, Stephen King. I know that he wrote this, you know, with that in mind. Yeah. You know, for, for some of his crazy fans that were starting to criticize him. And I will say, this is from what I remember. I have re- I have read this book, yeah. and it's it's pretty close. Really, like really. they don't stray very far, if I remember correctly. Sure. But um, I think that this is a, a tour de force for acting, oh my God, um, yeah. especially by our two leads of James Caan and Kathy Bates. Yeah. I think they both do an amazing job um, in some pretty challenging roles. Because yeah. if you think about it, he's, he's playing this entire movie in like either from a bed yeah. or from be having stints in right. his legs. So he right. can't even bend his legs, even though they make one little mistake. You know, I, I, what, what, what you said there was, was really important. It's, it's tour de force of acting. Yeah. And, you know, if we think about some other Stephen King films that we've talked about, like, I mean, like, think about, for example, um, Thinner that we talked about in our last episode, two episodes two ago. Two episodes, episodes ago. ago. Um, you know, Thinner is, it's it's not a terrible story. It's right. really not. Right. But, like, you watch that movie and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, you people suck. Yeah. Like, they just, they all suck. Yeah. And I, I just don't understand, like, 
if you're an actor, I'm not saying that everyone is as talented as Kathy Bates or as James Caan or as Lauren McCall for that matter. But like, don't you like want to do a really great job? You know what I mean? Like, and these people do a terribly difficult role Mm -hmm. for James Caan, terribly difficult for Kathy Bates too. I mean, and, and I just, I shudder thinking about one of the best things that she does, which is after she hobbles him, she just looks at that bed with that face and goes, God, I love you. Right. <laughs> and it just, it haunts you. And it, and it honestly makes you feel like, when have I done that before? Yeah. Like I've never, I've clearly never hobbled anybody, but like, when have I been awful to somebody that I actually love just to like keep them in place? Yeah, true. And, you know, I have, and, and maybe not to that extreme, but Jesus, this movie makes you think. Yeah. It's funny when, um, I had a couple reactions this time around watching yeah. the movie and, um, the first one was when she finds him after he's crashed and, yeah. I'm like, that's a strong ass bitch for carrying him up that mountain. Girl, <laughs> like, big time. Big time. Um, some of my favorite parts with Kathy Bates is when um, he finally gets the part right uh, when she's yeah. making him rewrite the novel. And she's like, Misery's alive. I know. <laughs> she's twirling. I know. I, know. I love that part. Um, also, I love when Misery the pig is introduced and she's going, like, <laughs> and like, she, What the fuck? She is, she is so um, manic. Yeah. And then she has that. She has one part where she's very depressed because yeah. she thinks that his legs are getting better, and yeah. she has like a night where she's going to leave like, me. And it's the rain. It reminds her of her yeah. uh, her ex lover. But um, there's some great parts in this. I think that are very. Uh, suspenseful uh, especially when he breaks out of his room the first time and you see him put that statue back of the little penguin um back my penguin always faces due south and you're like i know that's gonna come back to haunt him and when he's crawling on the ground and when he's like every time he has to release himself out of that uh, either out of the bed or out of the wheelchair is just so painful and i mean let's let's just talk about the hobbling scene right away right? i mean like you know i i do remember um i i remember seeing this film in the theater when i was a kid i was very young oh really um yeah my, my parents but they had already raised eight kids they didn't care anymore um and i do remember seeing i can't remember what my reaction was but i i was thinking about it watching this again what that hobbling scene had to look like on the big screen yeah. for an audience in 1990. I mean, cause, especially in 1990. Oh my God. And you know, they, they do it so well. You know, you only see the one foot get hobbled. But you see it, baby. But you see that thing flick and you go, oh my God. God. And the pain that he must have experienced, you know, in, in the story anyway, just it, it had to be been, been just insurmountable pain. Um, Punishment for the Kimberly Diamond just, lines. Oh my God. God, the Indians called it hobbling. Um, I, actually, I say that pretty often when be, and people don't know what it means. About I'm just like, okay. Um, some of the some of her uh, mannerisms and um, dialogue, I think, is really important to talk about because she's like the first time that she ever gets upset with Paul Sheldon is when yeah. um, he basically is. She reads his new book and she's like, "Why is there so much profanity?" And she gets all upset about that. There's curse words in his new book, and that's when she has her first like little mini meltdown. And that's when you start to see kind of the the person behind the facade or the person that's kind of the, the manic side of things, which yeah. I think is really interesting. But um, she says oogie a lot, like things yeah. are very oogie. Right, right, right. Um, she calls him a dirty birdie. Out of that cockadoodle car. <laughs> yeah, cockadoody. I know uh, that, Mr. Man. Yeah, there's a lot of really good, great lines in this movie that are just like iconic. And yeah. thankfully, Kathy Bates did win, you know, the Oscar for this. Which I also forgot until I read it in the ephemera here. And I love that in her speech, she was like, you know, to James Caan, sorry about the ankles. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I just think that's like a tone to her character. Um, I think her character is just a really interesting character study. Um, you know, she, when, when she says the, the Mr. Man thing, I was watching a clip before we started recording, you know, she says something to the effect of, you know, I'm not stupid, you know. Um, and it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, is that maybe the root of her obsession right. with, with, with people? Like, be, I, I'm going to show everybody I'm not I'm stupid. Not stupid. Yeah. I'm not dumb at all. I'm, I'm smarter than everyone else. It's, it's something to think about. And I, I would love to read like a, like a psychological like, um, breakdown of, of, of Annie Wilkes. Well, and I, be do, interesting. I do want to watch the second season of Castle Rock because she's Annie Wilkes is the I main thing. Yeah. Um, and then I did hear somebody else just talk about how they go into more of the house from Salem's Lot, which oh, I love Salem's yeah, Lot. Salem's Lot is so, really, really good. Um, I, I really want to watch that. Unfortunately, I didn't finish the first season because I just kind of got bored with it. And I, I got to tell you, I don't I don't know if I'm going to. I want to watch the second because people have no, said no, that it's s- a lot better. Second, second one I'm I want to watch, go, but, I'm just gonna but finishing right the first second. one, I don't really care. It's I, a serial I, show. I'm so. alive for a short period of time. I can't waste any more of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I so, it. like, no offense to people that created it, and Stephen King for that matter, but the first season was... Boring. boring it was just it was it was it kept circling and it was boring and i just didn't want to watch it anymore so i stopped um i have one question for you because yeah. i have not decided what i think about this part yet go ahead so there's a part in the movie where um paul sheldon has been hoarding his uh pain pills, the pills yeah uh, and he makes a little uh what do you call it? a little envelope out of his yeah. notebook yeah. uh paper and he puts a bunch of the powder in there and his plan he asks annie wilkes if she'll have dinner with him to celebrate the return of misery yeah yeah. and you know they are getting ready and she he has like um can can we make this like official and get some candles and she is like oh uh yeah sure why not yeah and she goes to get the candle and he drugs her wine yeah when she comes back and they go to cheers she kind of like knocks over the candle accidentally yeah and and spills her wine so yeah. the drugged wine is like no longer yeah do you think she knew because she knew about the knife later do you think that she knew uh, and she did it on purpose or do you think that was true truly a tragic accident i i think that i think that was an accident i i think i think if she knew she would have been so angry about it that she would have done something. You think so? Yeah, I, I, okay. I do think so. I, I think I think she would have she would have beat him in some way. She would have made him drink it as like a punishment. Like I mean, this is a this is a a seriously disturbed person who has no problem wreaking um, what she determines is correct justice hmm. in order to. Um, in order to uh, exact the the world that she needs to continue going on, yeah, right? I get it. So, like you know, for her, she has to hobble him because she he can't leave, right? She has to do this because that, like, she has to keep teaching him lessons because she is now the master. She's a teacher, and it, you know, it is sort of like a. It's a. She needs him to be as submissive as, as possible. Yeah, she has to be the okay. dominant one. I guess I can take that. Yeah, I'm just trying. I, I was in this watch. I was like, I wonder if she knows. But and she like. I could see it the other way too. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I could. And she's and you know maybe, if you know if I'm playing devil's advocate, maybe she spells it to teach him a lesson. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't like, know. It, could, it could really be. I either. don't know. We'll never know. Wait, for, well, let me ask you this: Which is more fun for you? In the story. It's more tragic when he when she doesn't know because that that's this whole plan that he has like spent you know days trying to come see, up with. You see his face yeah. too, and you're just like, oh, oh fuck, no, man, I'm so sorry, dude. You're getting stuck there. Dude. Um, but it's I don't know if I don't know. I think it could be say, either like, way. You know she smells. Yeah. Like, you know Annie Wilkes. And you know, she's on a farm. But you know what she you know she smells probably a little bit cheesy. Oh what oh. I'm just saying. Anyway, there's not a lot of can washing we, uh, going on. Can we on. give a little bit of love to Horny Deputy? 
uh, Victoria. Yeah, of course you can. Or Virginia. Sorry. For sure. I just love that character. I love uh, all those people are just fantastic. And they are all so wonderful. Every time that the sheriff gets shot, I always just think of her. Fucking Richard Farnsworth is the best. He's so good, <laughs> I man. I think of her. That face is so good, man. Ugh. Um, Some other things uh, that we should talk about. Uh, Dom Perignon. I know, right? I know. <laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> But I mean, that, that, that's what it goes back to, yeah. right? You know, well, feeling like she's not stupid. And that was the other thing. I was like, I guess I can, I guess I can um, make a valid point that she would have Dom Perignon, Dom Perignon on hand. Dom Perignon. Because she knows him. Yeah. Because there's like, she just like has it. Right. And that's exactly. like a, back in 1990, that was a pretty expensive bottle of champagne. Uh, I mean, it's like, still an expensive bottle of but champagne. But you know what I mean? Like, no, it was totally. Like held up to Also, a might I add, really not that great. I've never had it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you did once. I did. Do you know when? When? My thirtieth birthday. Oh, okay. When, when we went to Tango Sewer, remember? Oh, yeah. I, I brought a bottle with. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. Um, this is this is interesting from the. Well, that's just the thing. Yeah. Right? Um, this is interesting in the ephemera that that we have here. Um, the role of Paul Sheldon was offered to. Here's the list. Warren Beatty, Robert De Niro, Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfuss, Richard Dreyfuss um, Harrison Ford, Morgan, Free- Morgan Freeman, Mel Gibson, Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, William Hurt twice, Kevin Klein. that could be interesting, Al Pacino, Robert Redford, Denzel Washington, that would be interesting, and Bruce Willis. That's a lot. And then finally... <laughs> and then they're finally like, James Conn, you want to do it? James, and he's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Um, but but also, uh, Willis played the role uh, years later on Broadway, which I honestly did not know. Yeah, no the woman from... Oh, God, I'm blanking on her name. The woman from Aunt Jackie played Annie Wilkes. Honestly, I, I, I'm sure that I knew this before. I totally forgot that that was a play. Too. Yeah, yeah. Totally forgot. It makes sense, though. It's a very... Um, it all takes place in just a couple of rooms, yeah, so, so it's it, pretty easy to do a stage to translate of it. it. Yeah, yeah I, I think that honestly, how do they do the hobbling? Um, I would be really interested. I'm going to read that play. I want to get a copy of it. Oh, also oh. a little uh, book, you know, book versus movie moment. Yeah. In the book, she cuts off his foot. <gasps> yeah, so he ain't recovering. He ain't walking with a cane at the end of that book like he is in the movie. Oh my god! With an oh axe. my god! Oh my axe. god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, that's terrible. Oh, so just imagine if that was the part. That's really terrible. Um, another fun fact about this is that James Caan one day came in so hungover that he could they could not use any of his footage throughout the whole day, um, and Rob Reiner just like he was just like playing it off like don't worry like. We know we we messed up like something on our end, and then when he found out that it was because of him himself, he he gave back his pay for that day. Wow! So that I mean that's saying you know, something. I'm just gonna say this: when I'm hungover at work, I still perform. <laughs> I make I, I make it happen. It's true. Actually, one of my coworkers, Jenny, said like sometimes like when you say that you're hungover at the end of the day, I can't believe that you were hungover because you worked so hard all day. And I'm like, I know I'm good at it. What, what can I say? <laughs> That's called functioning alcohol. <laughs> hey, you shut up. You shut up. Hey, Mr. Man, I'm not dumb. Um, another thing is that, um, Oogie. Kathy Bates and James Conn actually kind of fought on this set. Yeah. Um, because Kathy Bates came from a style acting, of yeah. acting where she would rehearse, 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 rehearse until she yeah. got it perfect. Whereas James Conn was more of like, just, play it off the oh, cuff for sure. like, I mean, no big deal and like for people who don't know this like if you've never really been in theater before like i mean plays you're typically going to rehearse for at least a month before yeah. you go on stage um and if you're a professional actor you'll be you know you'll be doing day-long rehearsals for a full month so nine to five you're rehearsing all day long um and in film that is 
that is definitely not the case. There yeah. are some films, of course, where read throughs you know, and whatnot, where people but... do give a longer rehearsal period. But I mean, that means you have to pay people every single day. So like rehearsals are generally just not going to happen. Well, get this sexist bullshit though. Yeah. Um, when Kathy Bates went to Rob Reiner to kind of not complain, but just say like, "Hey, James Conn's not really like working with me on this. Yeah. Like, I I don't really know what to do. I'm getting really frustrated." Rob Reiner just told her to put it into your work. Put that frustration into your work. And I'm like, that's kind of a sexist bullshit right there. But that's, it, like, I mean, it's, 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 it should have been, okay, let's work together to see how we can yeah. both like do your both styles. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me too, because like, you know, once again, like the director for a film is different than the director for a play. Like, like the director for a play becomes like the de facto acting coach. And so like when I was directing plays, I like definitely was half director looking at the picture, looking at the movement on the stage, looking at blocking, looking at, you know, just all that, all that stuff and, and like the administrative things. And then the other half of my job was always coaching the acting. Yeah, sure. You know, going through moment by moment, stopping you here, giving you some ideas, yada, yada. And so like, yeah, you know, on film sets, I don't know. Like it, it's, it's, it's really different. I, I wonder, I, I hear what you're saying, but I also wonder if Rob Reiner was kind of like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, just, there you go. Just interesting fact to read. That's weird though. That, uh, they, he would just kind of tell her like, I don't know. And you know, also, <laughs> not a surprise about James Conn. I know. I mean, he's great in this Or film. Rob Reiner, to be honest. Or Rob Reiner. Um, <laughs> Rob Reiner's such a weirdo. <laughs> like, he's just such a weirdo. This is an actual question. Is Rob Reiner still alive? Um, hey, Siri, is Rob Reiner still alive? She's asleep right now. <laughs> um, I, I thought she was going to come on. I was like, actually, that, that could be kind of <laughs> cool for the show. Oh, damn. Um, programmatic. Yeah, he's still alive. Okay. Like, I can see his big, bald head okay. in my head. Um, and then we should just round this out that Annie Wilkes actually was ranked the 17th most iconic villain in American Film Institute's yeah. list of 100 heroes and villains. I, I, I put her right up there with with with, uh, with Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, I mean, totally. she's I, this is a, this is an incredible story well, written so well. The film is legit good. And then you find out later that she's like a, literally a baby killer. Yeah. So right, right. yeah, I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I, just, I love it when Stephen King films turn out to be good because oh. a lot of them are just, yeah, they're just they just they, they don't turn out right. Yeah. And this is one where it just it just did. I just did think of something that was different from the book. What in the mo- in the book he actually becomes addicted to his pain pills and has to like come down off of them, and that's like a big part of the book is huh. him like going through withdrawals because he he's trying to save them, you know, so I mean, he can drug that, Annie. That makes sense. And they didn't yeah. really hit on that in this one because interesting. I think that the what, is he, didn't what did they time. give what did they give him Norville Norville something like think, that. And I guess it's a pretty strong like pain pill and it's easy to become obviously opioids. Hello, yeah, right? Sure, easy to become addicted to them, and yeah. he has to go through like a withdrawal period so he oh can try God. to poison her. So that was something that was different. But maybe they, they just didn't have time in yeah. the film to like make that. They do hit on it a little bit, but in a different way. When he escapes yeah. the first time and um, he comes back, like, and she comes in the room and she's like, you look really sweaty and really... What like, have you been doing? And he's just like, I need my pills. And I, so I think that's like an homage to that. Yeah. Like, But he's not really... Um, the only cheat that I will say in this movie... Okay in my personal opinion is when he go he breaks out the first time and sees the phone yeah. and figures out oh there's no phone inside the phone like it's just a like the the shell of a yeah, phone why right. would she just have a shell of a phone sitting around she's a weirdo like that's the only that's the only explanation i mean she's just a weirdo and that's my only kind of like quote unquote like cheat moment of right, the movie right, right, because right. i think the rest of the movie's played very realistically yeah. um very well so yeah 
It's I a think, good one. I think that's about it for that's Misery. That's all. Um, so here on Friday the 13th, we uh, rate on a seven scale because there are seven colors of the rainbow. So, Maddie, what do you give Misery? I'm going to give Misery a solid six and a half. Okay, I'm going to go with a six. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're both pretty high on this I one. Mean, this, I mean, there's just no bones about it. Yeah, now, it's very good. Um, in our next film, it'll be interesting to see what our ratings are. I, I actually, just to be perfectly honest, I'm, I haven't completely settled on my score yet oh yeah so we'll see how our conversation goes get ready folks because next we're going to be talking about cape fear from 1991 sam evening ladies you know my husband has a gun not this gun is it this gun where is he resting up had a long difficult day danielle I told you, you can't escape your demons just by leaving home. I didn't. My parents brought me here. Of course. Where's Sexus? Back at the house. Shame. I had hoped we could read aloud from them together. Well, I, um, I memorized some for you. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Well, I'm impressed. Which part? The, the part. You know what part, you know. I don't think you did your homework. I did. What parts was that? The good parts? Yeah, they were. The... Were you a good girl? I was. I knew you'd follow me here. You know me pretty well, don't you, Donald? Yeah. You're going to get to know me a lot better, too. Put on your cape. Get afraid, because we're talking about Cape Fear. Andrew, let us know about this masterpiece from 1991. Cape Fear, 1991, directed by Martin Scorsese and written by John D. McDonald and James R. Webb. Sam Bowden is a small-town corporate attorney, leave-it-to-beaver type family man. Max Cady is a tattooed, cigar-smoking, Bible-quoting rapist. I mean, look at that. Look at that list. There you go. What do they have in common? 14 years ago, Sam was a public defender assigned to Max Cady's rape trial, and he made a serious error. He hid a document from the from the from his literal client that could have gotten him acquitted now the cagey bibliophile katie has been released and he intends to teach sam bowden and his family a thing or two about loss this star uh, this was made in 1991 released on november 15th the day before my birthday on a budget of 35,000 35 million 35 no no 35 that's 35 million. No, 35,000. <laughs> I was like, no. 35,000? Well, I'm sure it seems like it. On a the... budget of 35 million, it ended up making a cumulative worldwide gross of $182 million. This stars Robert De Niro as Max Cady, Nick Nolte as Sam Bowden, Jessica Lang as Leigh Bowden, Juliette Lewis as Danielle Bowden, Joe Don Baker as Claude Kersek. Robert Mitchum as Lieutenant Elgart, Gregory Peck as Lee Heller, and then more people, including Ileana Douglas as Lori Davis. Yeah. 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 So I just want to preface this conversation by saying that I love Martin Scorsese. (laughs) I love Robert De Niro with a passion. I think he's an amazing actor. Um, Actually, don't mind Nick Nolte sometimes. Jessica Lange, we love her. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, this movie sucks. 
It is not. Oh, wow. It's, it's not a good movie. Um, number one, the writing is just is, is really, really bad. Um, number two, the acting is just, it's so all over the place. Like it, it almost boggles my mind that Martin Scorsese could, could watch it happen and not say a fucking word. Yeah, I'll disagree with you a little bit. I do think that there are... Told you I feel strongly. I know, I know. There are some issues with the movie, but I I don't think it's a bad movie. And I do think that there's actually some really strong parts that we can talk about. Like the whole scene with Robert De Niro and Juliette Lewis in the theater, I think is very unnerving and Granted, very uncomfortable. It is, it is for sure. Played very well. Um, I think the whole third act, as preposterous as it is, is pretty intense and pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. I, I, I and it, listen. I, I grant you all of that. I mean, that's that's all of that. <laughs> Granted, all of that notwithstanding, um, it's just it's it's just so ridiculous. It's a weird in, movie in, in in most points, and it's it's. I think it's it's outside. Like for one thing, let's 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 talk about this sure. in terms of acting. Like Robert De Niro, who did the dialect work with him? It's so incredibly all over the place it never is consistent i remember reading that he it was from a previous movie that he did and he just carried it over i mean i'm telling you it's it's not good and it's supposed to be like cajun it's 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 so all over the south the american south that you can't place it um and he doesn't keep it up so there are parts where where it is and there are parts where it isn't or where it really changes or it shifts and so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and, you know, like, that's that's a detail that you could, you know, you could say, well, Maddie, you're being a little bit, you know, picky about it. Yeah, but, like, you know what happens when actors do that, when they don't get the dialect work correct? It takes you out of the movie. Sure. And so instead of, like, watching, like, an actual, like, thing happen, you're watching a caricature of a Southern person. And that's what I'm not here for. I'm not here to watch, like, your half-ass caricature of it. I'm just, I'm just not. What I, what I wonder is this. I do wonder. Because... Look, the, all these people are great. Like we know, right. these are great actors. And and Martin Scorsese, you know, no matter what you think about the Irishman or whatever, is a fantastic seminal director of the American canon. He's he's an incredible director, maybe one of our best. And I wonder if he was going for a style that I'm just not getting because it's 1991 I don't and know. so far removed. Like, I mean, it is a highly stylistic movie. Like, it's highly stylized. Like the the whole opening credit scene is mm-hmm. actually kind of cool. I really, it's, I do enjoy that. Did you know? Did you notice that it was credited? Like, yeah, I did. The title sequence was actually credited. I did, yeah, and actually, I, I kind of liked it, it because what I liked about the the title sequence is that it felt like. Um, the cover of a book. It felt like the oh, cover yeah, of a book sure. that that kept moving. I kind of, I don't know, something about it was kind of transfixed me. Now, have you seen the original Cape Fear? No, I have not. I haven't either. I have not. We no. need to remedy that, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think, well, God, I wish we would have done that for this now. No, it's okay. Um, because but... I, because they're, uh, Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum were, 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 the, were the leads yeah, in that right, movie. Right, so right, that right. they make their kind of cameo in this movie. You know, this is this is one that I think, um, you know, I often say like, what, this this should be rebooted. I think this could do, this, this could be rebooted. Because I don't think that the story is bad. I think the story is actually good. But this this stylized weird, I don't know what whatever it was. Um, for me, it doesn't work. Yeah, I get it. There's a lot of like very weird zooms and very weird yeah. cutaways and very weird yes. like 
um, transitions and like extreme close-ups for no reason of like manic uh, Nick Nolte like trying yeah. <laughs> to get everywhere. Um, I what I it, my personal opinion is I think uh, Robert De Niro and Juliette Lewis kind of save this movie a little bit for me um, because I think they're the strongest yeah. thing about it. Sure, I think that um, I don't I don't disagree with you. I think that Nick Nolte is such a dud in this movie. He's such yeah. a doofus. Like he literally stumbles through this movie and can't do anything like he cannot do anything he messes up everything he does but that's also the writing though yeah i mean like i mean he he didn't write the damn thing right so like you got to go back to the writing and say well like there's the part where uh he hires the three guys to take uh max katie out and he's there to watch first of all (laughs) why are you there second of all you seriously are going to make a noise? Like, you seriously? Yeah, I know. I know. And then, but then also, too, like, I mean, let's let's talk about, like, believability here. Like, I Oh, mean, I know. Okay, so, yeah, he's he's strong. He spent some time working out. I get it. He's but fueled like, by revenge. Yeah, but, like, I mean, listen, the dude got beat by lead pipes and a bike chain. Like, if that happens, as much as he got hit, I don't care if you're fucking, like, Schwarzenegger. Your ass is going down. Like, you're not going to fucking grab the pipes and then beat the fuck out of the other guys, all three. I, I'm sorry. I, don't, I just don't believe it. Well, the, and the other part that's totally unbelievable is that he would be able to hide under their car for yeah. hours yeah, as they drive no, away. That, that didn't happen. It's, it's, I'm, 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 come on. And the, those are the things that it, in the writing that I'm talking about where it's like, listen, are you writing Are you writing a real movie mm-hmm. right now? Or are you writing some fucking like half-assed like thing for me and that's what i just i don't i don't like i don't appreciate that as as a as an audience person even many years on because i like to be respected if i go out to eat i want somebody to give me good service not half-assed service mm-hmm. and i feel i feel i feel the same way if i go to the movies okay and that's, that's interesting that's what i think here um i i do think that the the sequence of um when he is in the house and he kills the maid and the uh private investigator that's pretty scary i do think that that's pretty well done yeah, I'll, where he's I'll, dressed I'll, up i'll as give you the, that he's dressed up as the maid and kills yeah. her that that part because i did not see that coming yeah and i will tell our audience this is the first time i've seen this movie all the way through oh, i've really i've definitely seen clips of it yeah but i've never seen it all the way through. it, it had been quite some time since i've seen this um but I mean, like, like Misery, for example, I've I've seen Misery many times. Me too. And it's it's also one of those films that's kind of like on TV often. Yeah. You know, it's like I whenever it's on, I watch it. Cape Fear, I've seen probably a couple times before. I honestly couldn't really remember it. Like, I I knew who was in it. I knew about what happened. Um, but other than that, I couldn't remember like the details clearly because i forgot how much i didn't like it yeah can we talk about a couple of details that i have some questions yeah go ahead i'll give you an answer um i thought it was hilarious that they went to go see problem child as yeah like why martin scorsese why is this the movie that you are choosing to highlight in because 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 this this is what i'm talking about it's like where's the intentionality yeah like they could have gone to go see anything and they choose problem child maybe that was a a play on max katie as a problem child i i mean but if if that's the play like how dumb um there's another part where and it's very early on in the movie it is on march or not march july the third when all the fireworks are going off yes yeah um nick nolte and his wife uh have the most boring sex ever yeah and then she gets up in the middle of the night and puts on lipstick Oh, the the uh, the pink lipstick, and then yeah. she goes out and she sees Max Katie on their wall and through, like through the window, and like and then goes yeah. back up and like wakes up Nick Nolte's yeah, character yeah, Sam, yeah, yeah, and then she's like, um, she like tries to like wipe it off, like like ashamed, and I'm like, wait, 
wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait. What, what is happening here? The, the, and this, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. It, it, this just illustrates the point even further. Like, I mean, there could have been some stylistic thing that he was trying to do here again. Like, maybe he's trying to show, like, she is actually, like, sexually frustrated and unsatisfied. And I don't know. She wants to feel sexy. And maybe, like, if she looks out the window and sees Max Katie. Like she might feel sexy or something, but that never that never meets itself out in the film. Yeah. Instead, she continues to be like this this conflicted you know wife who won't leave her cheating husband. Clearly, after he's cheating on her again, right? And and you know, and even in the end, she defends him when you know he's beating him. So like, it's it, her character. It, it just the arc of it doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't work yeah. because who cares in the end, really? Like, well, and that's the thing that I struggle with with this movie is that Nick Nol- Nick Nolte's character Sam is such a dirt bag yeah, that like it's so hard to like cheer for him. Well, I mean, yeah, I I, I don't even have anything to say. You're you're right. It's it's you're absolutely right. It's I was at the end of the movie. I was like, I kind of don't care if he dies. Yeah, like seriously. I, well, that's the thing. I don't care if any of them die. Like, I mean, I guess I care if Juliet Lewis's character died, Danielle. Yeah, but even her, I don't really care all that much about. I don't care about this family at all. I don't care about this rich family in North <laughs> Carolina that has, you know, a houseboat and uh, they live on the Cape and everything. I just, I don't care about you. Can, and yeah. the other part of it is this, like they don't, the twists and turns that you take to find out what happened 14 years ago, Yeah, it takes too long to get there. And, it is like backwards. And it's backwards. Like yeah. I mean we we don't really find out the full process of how like he hid this document until like much later in the film and by then I already don't give a fuck. I yeah. just don't care. So in the meantime we've had this this guy who's taught himself how to read, how to be be a lawyer apparently and has tattoos everywhere and blah 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 blah. He, you know, is is out for vengeance and we never know why. We never know why. The whole time is just he's just an asshole, really. He's a, he's an asshole rapist. Mm-hmm. But if we had found out earlier, earlier, like what the deal was, like how about you start the movie with the court case that yeah. he's like going to jail, right? right. Exactly. You, you could know? do you could do it with newspaper headlines. You could do it with a, a TV thing. Literally anything, and they did nothing. Can we also talk about um, the the cocaine fueled uh, oh, performance by Ileana Douglas? Ileana Douglas, I normally love. But Jesus in this Christ. movie, she cannot stop cackling and moving her head and moving her body and just like, yeah, it's, it's so this ridiculous. Is, this is not stir of echoes. Um, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> okay. I, I rarely say that, but here I am. Uh, yeah, I have, I have a note right here that just says a very aggressive racquetball. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I, I do think that, so there is some facts about this movie, especially between him and Ileana Douglas, that they, they improvised a lot of their lines in the bar and also in the original script when he is attempting to rape her or not, I guess not rape her, but, uh, what turns into rape when he puts her in the handcuffs originally in the script, she was supposed to be like, kind of like more like terrified. Um, but Ileana Douglas changed it. And so that's why she's like, like that she's like into it and like laughing about (laughs) it. And like, I kind of get, you could do either, but given her character, how she's portrayed in the movie, I think it makes a lot more sense in how she did it and the way she did it. Yeah. Until Um, until he literally eats her face off. Yeah. It's, and I'm sorry. I don't care who I'm going to disappoint in my workplace. Yeah, I know. I'm reporting that shit and I'm taking that guy to jail. Well, I mean like, what does she think she's going to do? Like, do you think that like people are going to say what like they're not going to say what happened to your face 
or like what happened during that i mean like come on and i think she like basically how how they play it off in the movie is that she's because she works with all the lawyers and hears about how they talk about quote unquote like promiscuous women right she doesn't want to go through that humiliation right right but so you'd rather like just let this guy get away with like eating your face yeah apparently yikes on bikes and that's i mean that's that's this that that's this movie it's it's a a series of things that don't seem to make a whole lot of sense um it's a series of things that um that that you wish you knew more about um and in the end it's a just a movie i don't care about i i think the end sequence kind of saves a little bit of the nonsense because it's i do bad. think it's it's well done and i guess they did it all in like a sound stage but also when he's like gobbledygooking out there you're like what are you that was another thing i'm like oh, what are you saying are you talking about when he's drowning yeah I, I, that's actually i actually do have an answer for that what is it he's talking in tongues because he's ascending to heaven. oh he's a pentecostal mm-hmm. that's right yeah gotcha so i because i was like what so i had to look interesting that up, so. okay well well okay, then fine here's <laughs> yeah. another thing then great so you know if you're not a person who's been around people praying in tongues like you don't know my, what's going on my sister i have a sister um it's a story for another day she prays in tongues and when she still lived in the area, you know, when I was a kid, I would hear her doing it. And honestly, if you've never heard it before, like somebody not faking it, somebody really doing it, it is, it's very, very weird. It's very weird. Yeah. It, it makes no, it, it, first of all, it's the dumbest thing in the world. It makes no theological sense. That's for another day. Um, but it's just, it's dumb. It's absolutely dumb. And it, and it, it can sometimes be a little scary. Yeah. What would have been great? Is maybe instead of as he's dying at the end of the film, have him having him do some things that nobody in the audience knows what he's doing. Right. Maybe he could have done it once before in the film. Yeah. Just once. I get it. Just once. Um, so the scene between him and Juliette Lewis that I mentioned before in the, in the auditorium, yeah. that was completely ad-libbed. That's and that a good was, one. And that was the first take. That's incredible. So I wonder, when you say ad-libbed, I, did she know that he was going to try to put his finger in her mouth? Probably. Okay. I mean, like, that would be something that's very weird ad-libbed. There is never... Um, when, you, when you act, like you're not going to go into the thing totally blind like you're going to have some sort of structure but like you'll be ad-libbing but you'll like you'll know what you're going for yeah like you know the essence of the conversation yeah and and the both of you will talk about like this is what we're this is what we need to do or the director should be telling you this is what we need to do right we need to get to here so just give it a try so um i'm i'm gonna guess that she knew he would do that i hope she knew he would do that i know right um, so Robert De Niro actually paid a dentist $5,000 to make his teeth look suitably bad for the movie and in turn had to pay another dentist $20,000 to have them fixed. Um, next time, save your money. Well, he did get nominated for, uh, pretty much all the awards. He didn't win, but he for got this? nominated. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Him and Juliette Lewis. I got see, remember what I was saying about the Oscars earlier about they're, just, <laughs> they're a bunch of bullshit. If that doesn't tell you right there, it's a bunch. Cause what else was out in 91? Ooh, I don't know. This is before Jurassic Park. There would have been a lot of great things out in 91. Because, I mean, well, Candyman was, what, 92? Yeah, I think so. So, I don't know. 91, I'm sure, had other great films beyond fucking Cape Fear. (laughs) So, as we mentioned, uh, this is a remake of a 1962, I believe, movie. Yeah. Um, And actually, Gregory Peck, this is his final appearance in a theatrical film released before his death. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, except he looks awful. That is kind of neat. He looks awful in it. He looks, I mean, he's just done up in makeup. It's bad makeup. I mean, there it is. I mean, the the poor guy was, you know, on his last legs. Uh, This is the first movie that Martin Scorsese actually used visual effects. 
okay cool 1991 i mean that's something where i mean wherever they were and this is juliette lewis's only oscar nominated um uh performance which is kind of surprising to me given some of the movies that she went on to do uh do you not like juliette lewis i think she's okay i like her i th- I think that juliette lewis is a little one note okay um which i which i i think about a, of many actors i think i think sometimes your note really stings well sure but i think sometimes like they rely on their like kooky quirks to like uh-huh. that and that's that's their acting is just them being quirky i'm surprised she wasn't nominated for natural born killers oh god i've god i forgot about natural born killers i do love that film I, and i think she's good in it yeah i wonder why Hmm. Anyway, probably the, the academy. Can, probably we, the academy doesn't like that movie. I if we can talk about Natural Born Killers sometime. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we can think about that. Um, we have lots of stuff. True. Um, so anything? I'm trying to think if I had any other notes on Cape Fear. Um, I don't think I hate it as much as you do. Will I come back to visit it anytime soon? Probably not. Yeah, I, I have no need to watch and it it's, again. And it's really long. It is. Um, I, it's one of those things where like you're you're laying on your couch and you hit your remote so you can see like where you are in the film and you're yeah. like, oh, damn it. Oh, another hour. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Um, okay, so out of I think I have a feeling on where you're going to come in at this. Yeah. But, um, out of a seven stripe scale, where do you rate Cape Fear? I'll give Cape Fear a two. Okay, I think that's your lowest score. I, I'm pretty sure. It um, is. I'm going to give Cape Fear a four. What if you were like, I'm going to give Cape Fear a six and a half? <laughs> I'd be like, I, I would literally be like, okay, we're never doing this show again. It's <laughs> no. over. Um, I think it's a little better than average. Yeah, I get, uh, I get it. Apart from its flaws from right. being in 1991. Yeah, and so. and I, I I will fully say that I am being you know pretty granular on what I'm talking about. Oh, that's okay. But you're I mean, allowed to have your this opinion. Is, this is what we're here for. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. Fuck it. Yeah, so we will take our final break and we will come back with a brand new segment. Yeah, get ready. It is called Would You Rather. Yeah, we um, rather we, we, we'll, we'll tell you more in a moment. Okay, so would you rather for the rest of your life have hiccups or for the rest of your life feel like you almost have to sneeze but you can't? Sneeze. I feel like I have to sneeze because of hiccups. <sighs> you would be in a constant sneeze. Yeah, but with because <sighs> I like the feeling of about to sneeze though. That like tickle feeling in your nose. I don't go oh, and like everything comes out, so it's really easy to. Like, like, <laughs> your fucking sneezes are so straight acting. Yeah. They're so well. straight and macho. Congratulations, you've made it through episode 29 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. And you didn't die. You didn't die yet. You're still alive. There's still a couple minutes, but we are introducing a new segment and a new way to close out the show. It's called Would You Rather. Yeah, it's a, it's an app that we developed, and it gives you situations where you say, what, what would you rather? It's not really an app, we're just doing it on the show. Um, also, this is a favorite game of the Souk Adik, the Ancient Order of. <laughs> so if you're a member of uh, the Ancient Order of Souk Adik, you're going to love this game. Let's go ahead and play it, Andrew. All right. How about you? Uh, we'll both react to these, but okay. I'll, t- I'll read this one first. Go okay? ahead. All right. Would you rather... I'm, I'm playing up the R like grinder. Like grinder. Hello. Yeah, yeah we get it, honey. We get it. <laughs> uh, would you rather be tended to by Annie Wilkes by re- while recovering from the flu or invite Max Katie to Sunday Mass? Um, oof. I guess I would I would rather invite Max Katie to Sunday Mass. I would rather invite Max Katie to Sunday Mass. Yeah, because you know you know what she's going to do. She's gonna she's gonna hobble me. Yeah, and he's just gonna like blend in and talk in yeah, tongues. I don't care what his ass does. <laughs> I'm not gonna get stuck with that crazy ass witch. I agree. And the next one is: uh, Would you rather have Sam Bowden represent you in a court of law, or have Paul Sheldon be your personal driver? 
Ooh, this is a tough one um, because um, Sam Bowden hides evidence, but Paul Sheldon drove off a cliff. Yeah, he's he's not a good driver. Um, you know, I think I would rather have. Oh gosh, this is this is tough. I think I'd rather have Sam Bowden represent me only because we see that with other cases in the film, he actually does win a lot. Yeah, that, no, that's true. And I'm not going to, I'm whatever I'm going to go to court for is probably going to be something around like money or something. Yeah. So I think that he won't hide any evidence on me. I think I would probably do Paul Sheldon because oh, interesting. like if, listen, if I had to go to jail, that, I, that would not work. You know, do you know what I'm trying to say here? Like it would not work. So I think my only other option would literally be just be like death, basically. So like um, Paul Sheldon getting killed with him, I guess that's what I'm going to do. Cool. All right. You know? Maybe just avoid those snowy mountain roads. Yeah. I, I think it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I think I think you can do that. We live in Illinois, the flattest sure. state ever. Yes. Um, all right. For our last one, would you rather read a book with Danielle Bowden or write a book with Paul Sheldon? Ooh, I would rather write a book with Paul Sheldon because if I had to read a book with Danielle, I'd be so goddamn annoyed. <laughs> um, so I would actually put in the extra time to write a book with Paul Sheldon. Um, I think, yeah, I don't want to hang out with teenagers. I'd rather no. write a book with um, Paul Sheldon. Yeah. And he's a good writer, obviously. He's a, he's a great so writer. He's an award-winning writer. Yeah. So maybe I can learn a thing or two. Misery. <laughs> so that that is our new segment would you rather if you have any additional would you rathers for these two movies please send them our way yes please. and we will answer them on social media speaking of social media you can yeah. find us on facebook by searching friday the 13th or podcast on twitter at friday 13 and on instagram at, yeah. at friday 13 um also um we've been asking you for many episodes now to complete our 2019 listener survey um, can, Ev- we, can, we, can we do this really quick first? Yeah. Just call outs and then we'll do that. We'll do oh, that yeah, at the very yeah, end. Yeah, 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 sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. So we just want to call out Legion Podcast Network, our oh, network of, of choice, and also our brand new patron. Yes. We have a brand new patron, Brian Wayne of the Cheers to Comics podcast. Thank you, Brian. Thanks and for I, being with us. And I will say, if you are a comic guy or gal, um, you need to check out his podcast. Big time. Because it's great. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, thank you for being a patron. Uh, Folks, too, if you're interested in being a patron, um, we have levels from a dollar all the way to $20 a month. You can do whatever you like. Um, And you can get to that at patreon.com slash frygay13. And as always, for our patrons, we appreciate your patronage. Seriously, we we really, truly do. And we would encourage you, especially considering we have some pretty big things coming up in in the pipeline that that may involve our patrons. Yeah. We encourage you to become a patron today. Yeah, um, we... we... We have we have big stuff coming, so just um, stay tuned. Just for instance, patrons only are choosing our two movies for yeah. our upcoming road horror episode, yeah, which is pretty fucking cool. And talk about the power that you have—the power, the real power. <laughs> um, also, too, um, uh, as I was saying before, we uh, we finished our 2019 listener survey. Thank you to everyone who took part in it. We drew our winners this very morning, and we drew the following people who will receive each of them a twenty dollar gift card. To Creepy Co. Creepy Co. is a wonderful company based right here in Chicago. They make a number of really wonderful merchandise. 
all about horror. Yeah. So they've got t-shirts. They've got button shirts. They've got blankets. They've got pillows. They've got, you know, you name it, that's horror and Halloween-y. Creepy Co. has it. And I got to tell you, it's really fucking cute. I have a shirt. It's wonderful. It's delicious. You can see it on our Instagram page. It is. It's, it is right there. I wear it often. I really love it so much. Um, uh, so the winners of our, our $20 gift cards are Kimmy right here in Chicago. Kimmy, congratulations. Matthew McHenry, you are also a winner. And Doug from Dougie Style. So Doug and Kimmy and Matthew, congratulations. You'll be getting your gift cards very soon. Stay tuned. We'll contact you on social media and we will get them to you in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. So folks, thank you so much for being with us yet again. Glad you didn't die on this one. Um, Episode 29. Look forward to episode 30 next month, which is going to be also our two-year anniversary. So we're really excited. Cannot believe it. Can you give me a high five on that? It is honestly kind of insane um, (laughs) that we have done uh, 30 episodes almost, and it'll be our two-year. But we'll talk more about that in our next episode. Until then, what I want you to do is come with us and get get slayed. slayed.